You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's up, guys? This is Dewey from the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Outer Loop Records. Founded as a sister company at Outer Loop Management in 2013, Outer Loop Records is back with a brand new partnership with Cooking Vinyl. Outer Loop Records is happy to have relaunched and announced the signing of four bands, Chasing Safety, Migosh, Youth and Revolt, and Lorna Shore. We're going to play a clip of Migosh's I Stole from the Dead from their forthcoming album Apostasy, which is due December 16th, 2016. So right now, let's check out that clip from Migosh, I Stole from the Dead. are available via All In Merch, www.allinmerch.com slash Outerloop. There you have it, guys. Migosh's I Stole From The Dead off their new album, Apostasy, due out December 16th on Outerloop Records. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Dia Frampton, and you're listening to the Pure Pleasure Podcast. Welcome back, folks, to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Thank you again for joining us week after week. We're glad to have you. Today, my guest is the fabulous and incredible Dia Frampton. Dia Frampton has had a very diverse career. Some of you may know her from Megan Dia. Some of you may know her from Arches. Some of you may know her from The Voice on NBC. She was a contestant on the first season, uh, coming in second place. And she was on Blake Shelton's team. So if you watch The Voice, you may be familiar with her. Did some awesome covers. And she just has a great voice, a great talent, and she is fantastic to talk to. Had a great conversation. Uh, Met Dia through her manager, Mike Kaminsky, who some of you may have heard on the podcast before. Uh, Met Dia. She was coming home from tour, and we were crashing on Mike's couch and met her that way. And and, uh, it was nice to get back in touch and see how things were going. So she's got some big stuff coming out. She's got an album coming out next year in March. She just released a new single. The new album is called Bruises. We're going to play some music uh, called The Golden Years here as we lead into her interview. So uh, just as usual, uh, we are available at peerpleasurepodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, We also have our Amazon affiliate link up on the website. If you go to my website, click on Shop at Amazon. Anything you buy off that link gives us 4 to 6% of everything you buy. It doesn't cost you anything more, and it's easy as just clicking that link, logging in as normal, and making your purchases for the holiday season. So here we are Sunday again. Uh, it's been another great week. We're looking forward to this interview with Dia. I'm glad you guys are going to get to hear it. Let's go ahead and get into this interview 
and I'll see you at the end. As the smoke rises up in the city, all our bodies are tangled and torn. All the world spins until we are dizzy. We want more. We want more. We're in the golden years. Don't tell me what the damage is. Oh, we're in the Well, welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. I am sitting down, well, sitting in Portland, Oregon, I believe. Dia's in Los Angeles with uh, Dia Frampton. Uh, so yep. you may know Hi. her from The Voice and Arches, Megan Dia. Uh, and you're doing your solo stuff now. Um, yeah. So real quick, I wanted to touch on that just to start out. You're working on a new record right now called Bruises, correct? It's actually finished, but yes. Oh, it's finished. Okay. Yeah, I guess we're working on... Uh, the artwork and things like that right now. So yeah, I guess still technically working on it. <laughs> okay, perfect. And that is now is that the same uh, backing band and everything as Arches, or is that a whole new band altogether that you're using? Um, there's a lot of people that I used for Arches that I kept um, for Bruises just because I love them so much. Um, some writers that I loved, and Joe Trapanese, who produced the Arches album. We co-wrote a, a song together um, called Chances that's on Bruises. So I did use a lot of the same people because it's hard to find people that you connect well with musically in L.A. Yeah. And um, I feel like after literally probably about six years of just writing with people and working with people and performing with people, I found – a group of three or four people that I just love and it feels like a family or a band of its own. So I kept a lot of people for bruises for the solo stuff. Excellent. And that's, and that's coming out on uh, is it network? Yeah. On a uh, network on March 3rd. Okay. Fantastic. And are you going to be releasing some stuff early from that at all? Like you're going to put out some singles or are you going to just release it all at once? Um, I believe we're going to put out some singles. I think, the next single, Gold and Silver, will actually come out in a couple weeks, I think on November 18th. And then um, we're going to release a few other songs. And I've been trying to uh, get some money together to make some music videos. So I do want to release some music videos before uh, March 3rd. But we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and when you say trying to get some money together, is is the deal you have with Network, are you self-funding a lot of, of what you're doing, or are they um, putting a package together for you that's that's going to allow you to do that? Mm -hmm. um, they definitely do a lot. I know they're going to help uh, – well, they're going to fund a video for the main album single, Dead Man, and um, they've been – doing so many things for photo shoots and uh you know of course they paid to make the album which is awesome um but there's still so many things that I want to do and I feel like today is such a visual world that mm -hmm. I think music videos are such a beautiful way to discover bands and tell stories at the same time and I really love film and uh so I've been trying to get together music video concepts for songs that necessarily wouldn't be singles that wouldn't ever be considered for a music video. Cause usually labels pay for the singles for music videos. Sure. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of songs like die wild and out of the dark and, uh, just songs I really love that if they want to have a music video, they're probably going to come from my pocket. So I'm kind of putting together an online store right now. I was going to do Kickstarter or something like that, but it mm -hmm. just, I don't know. It kind of feels weird asking people for money to like just do a hobby. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's definitely a fine line. I mean, if you're putting out, and I looked at Kickstarter too at first when it first came out and bands were putting stuff up like crazy. And I looked at it the same way. I was like, man, that's kind of just asking for, for money to do something, you know, it, but then looking down at what was offered there, I mean, some bands mm -hmm. were offering some cool stuff. Um, as kind of so it was more of a business transaction in the way that you're getting something 
you know, and you're a part of the project versus, hey, we need money to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to do. So I guess I'm kind of doing the same thing, but just I have the product beforehand. So um, I put together like all of my dresses that I wore on on voice and on stage and uh-huh. just had them dry clean. So I went and picked them up the other day and um, old red merchandise and vinyls. And then I've actually been painting these little acrylic canvas paintings to sell and um, making some really cool canvas art. My friend made a really amazing watercolor that I'm putting up for print. So I do want to give some cool stuff and if they want to buy it, they can. And then I'm just going to use that money to make music videos, but, um, yeah, it's Kickstarter. It's, it's a fine line. Cause I feel like if somebody has no way of making an album and they're like, I really just want to get these songs out. I want to make this album. Um, we can do a pre-sale for Kickstarter. That's great. But for me just to be like, I want to make some extra music videos. <laughs> it just seems a little weird. So I was, I, I just set up an online store instead. So if people want to, you know, get something they can and I can make these videos, hopefully. Sure, that's awesome because because then they can just show up to the the web store uh, like they would normally. Like, hey, I want to buy yeah. this, and then oh, hey, and now I know where the money's going to more than more than uh, asking for a, a handout, which is I think exactly what you're going for there. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Is Kaminsky going to help on these video concepts? Um, he actually just directed one of his own, which uh, it's for a song called "Don't Look Back on Bruises," and. Um, he had his own concept, and he actually funded it himself. And for those of you who don't know, Kaminsky is my manager of uh, yeah. like 12 years or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he, he funded it himself, and he he did everything, which was really kind of him, like hair, makeup, and wardrobe. And we drove out to Joshua Tree and just kind of did something really low-key. So he's been working on that right now, which is awesome. Uh, and really just, I don't know any managers out there who, you know, really want to make a music video for one of their artists and funds it out of his own pocket and just goes out to the desert and does it. So that's one awesome thing about Mike. Yeah. One of, one of millions yeah, <laughs> of yeah. awesome things. He's actually, I had him on the show a few weeks back and his episode's going to air tonight. Um, oh, great. and he is, he's one of the best people I've ever known. And that, that, uh, that sums him up right there. The funding, you know, for his artists. I mean, you're basically part of his family. I mean, it's not. Yeah. I mean, I live on his street now, coincidentally. <laughs> <laughs> so I see him all the time, but he's great. I mean, I actually met him. You know, people always meet like these sleazy music managers <laughs> in like really yeah. weird places and like weird things always end up happening. But I met Mike because um, I was playing a show in L.A. and we didn't have anywhere to stay. So his roommate let us stay at his house, and um, and Mike was just a roommate there. So Mike had no idea. You know when a roommate asks if people can stay over, but sometimes they forget to. Absolutely. <laughs> we were kind of that band or the, that group of folks. So um, a guy who was managing us at the time, uh, John Cheese, who's amazing, mm-hmm. um, he let us stay at his house. And Mike, I remember waking up to Mike. I was in a sleeping bag on the floor. And I just look up and he was like, who are all these people, John? <laughs> and then we just ended up hanging out and he ended up managing us. So it's just kind of funny how things happen in an organic way when you're not looking for a manager, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We talked on the briefly on the podcast about um, – because. You and I met one time, and it was very. It was at Kaminsky's house, and it was one of those random meetings. Like you guys had literally just come back from tour, or were <laughs> you either just coming back or just leaving? But the band was all in the kitchen, uh, and everyone. I mean, you guys had probably just played a show, um, and we were crashing at Mike's house, and and he's like, "Oh yeah, these are my friends," and and uh, met super briefly, and that was back with I think Portugal the Man, um, oh, wow. and then. Uh, then I saw after that on MTV, I was like, wait a minute. I think I just met those guys. Uh, yeah. I think this monster was on TRL or something. Some was on yeah, yeah, yeah. that I saw. And, and uh, that was the, that was the only time we had met. And that was the same situation. Like, we don't have a place to stay. And Kaminsky's like, come on over. <laughs> so Yeah. That's so funny. I remember Monster being on that because it, it's so funny when you're young. I think it played like a, 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 a 
MTV show ended and, you know, when the credits are rolling, our music video came mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. and I was seriously like, oh, we've made it. <laughs> 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 and I would just watch it all the time. But it's, it's just funny when you're young how you think of things. I didn't know you're in Portugal, the man. That's awesome. I was just a touring guitar player for them for a couple years. And uh, that happened to be one of the tours we were on and, and uh, down there. And, and Mike and I had met, you know, years and years back. Um, yeah. We were doing the Anatomy of a Ghost stuff and, and uh, we were oh, doing cool. the Fear Before the March of Flames stuff. So um, That's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I met him sleeping on the floor in a sleeping bag. Uh, I'd heard all these things about Mike Kaminsky, and I'm picturing this big dude, just powerful, you know, and, and there's this little kid sleeping in a sleeping bag. And I was like, who's that? Oh, that's Mike Kaminsky. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, he's a good dude. I, I've, I've enjoyed being friends with him for so long and I'm sure you yeah. guys are glad to be with him, but, um, it's so cool to talk to someone who's been touring. Cause I feel like if you haven't toured, you just don't know what it's like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Not in like a, in a high and mighty way, but sometimes people are like, Oh yeah, that must be rough. And then that's pretty much it. Yeah. I'm like you have no idea. It, literally no idea. Like you can see it, you can read about it. Like I was reading that essay you wrote. I wanted to talk about that essay you wrote, which was really, really cool and pretty much summed up everything very well. And and uh, there's a part you mentioned about sleeping in Walmart parking lots. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's something that people just don't understand. I mean, Rand McNally made an atlas of just Walmarts and <laughs> we called it the embassy. I've talked about this on the show before, but we call it the embassy. You go to any small town you've never been to on tour, and there's a Walmart. And it's 24 yeah. hours, and there's video games and food and bathrooms, and you just sleep in the van. Yeah, go in, but, brush your teeth, wash your hair. If it's really late, no one will come in and just, yeah. you know, kind of rel- – it's it's like a little – what are those good things in the de- – a mirage. Yes. But it's real. <laughs> it's like that little area in the desert that you could just go and relax. And and your ethics go out the window. I mean, it's Walmart. It's one of the most evil corporations ever. But when you're on tour, it's heaven on earth. Yeah. And but it's so bad because I would always come out with like a pint of Ben and Jerry's uh-huh. and just go sit in the van. And, you know, after all of us, there'd be like seven of us in the van. And, and when we wake up in the morning, you know, we're not stinky people. Like our band was generally very clean and took care of ourselves. But mm-hmm. even so, like seven people in a packed van, it just smells like people like i don't know oily skin and socks and stuff and so we'd always just wake up and just air it out and uh you know yeah it's the sleep smell it's yeah it's a sleep smell it doesn't it's just a very weird gross smell and there's just little weird things mixed in there like hair follicles and and somebody left a, a pringles can open so there's like a little bit of hint sour cream and onion and it's just weird yeah, it all mixes together. If you're big drinkers, the the alcohol working its way out through your pores oh, just blends yeah. with it, and it's nauseating. It, oh. Yeah, we drink a lot then. I hardly I I drink like I have a glass of wine now, like once every three months. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it all out of my system. Uh huh. Just in time. Like, did you did you guys share the driving duties and everything, or did you have someone that pretty much drove all the time? Um. Nick, our drummer, drove almost all the time. He's so good at driving and parking a van and trailer because he used to work for a tow truck company. Uh-huh. So he was amazing. And the only other people who would drive really would be Carlo, the guitar player, and myself. I would drive when we had really long drives at night and there were no cars on the road. He didn't want me to drive during the day when it was busy. Mm-hmm. But if we were driving like a weird stretch of land in New Mexico at three in the morning, he would let me drive. <laughs> um, so I do that. But it's always hard when, you know, you're staying awake. And I always would sound like a diva, but it's hard because, you know, you're staying awake all night and then you have to wake up and everyone else can just kind of use their body physically. But I had to sing. Yeah. So I would always be so tired and that exhaustion would make its way to my vocal cords for sure. And I was just, oh, like some nights I was dying, but it was okay. Well, it's that anxiety too, that, that as a singer, I mean, like you were saying, anyone can, you know, be hung over or sick and still play guitar or, 
you know, phone it in on the drums. But when you when it's your actual body that people are there to, you know, witness that anxiety, you got a scratchy throat or you're, you know, it's an anxiety that no one else has in the band, I guess is, is what I'm getting. Yeah. Oh, when I, when I get sick on tour, it's just, I feel so bad and it's just, it's a feeling of helplessness and, uh, it doesn't matter how big the show is. If it's like for five people or, you know, we're on, we're on tour opening for someone in an arena. It's just the same feeling of like, I'm not going to give my best. And People don't, and I I hate to be like, oh hey guys, I'm really sick right now, <laughs> then sing yeah. really bad because, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when you're when you're r- racing a race with friends and you lose, and you're just like, oh yeah, I didn't really stretch. <laughs> <laughs> My so skateboard won't do anything bad. today, guys. <laughs> yeah, I just I always feel bad to be like I'm sick, so this is why you want your money back right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I definitely, I definitely understand that. And the, the, the difference between, I mean, you've, you've been around long enough to go across the transition between everyone's watching, everyone's watching, say Megan Dia, everyone's watching, paying attention, having a good time. Now I'm sure when you go on, you see a million cell phones oh, where yeah. everyone is filming everything you do. So unless yeah. you preface every song with, Hey, I'm sick again. Sorry. You know, people are going to pull up, you know, Dia Frampton or whatever and be like, oh, wow, that sounds a little, little off or whatever. I mean, you, you just yeah. don't have to preface it with anything. It's just how it is. And it's just yeah. so strange. It's so true. Phones are so weird. I went to the LACMA yesterday, which is a really amazing museum in L.A., and there was mm-hmm. a Guillermo del Toro exhibit. Um, for those of you who don't know, he did Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy. He's really popular for monsters. And I was just walking around looking at all these, you know, amazing props from movies and his sketches for monsters and mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe books um, that date way back. And I seriously saw some people, uh, many people just kind of go up to one of the things and take a picture and leave. And I'm the type of person like I would go up and I would stare at it for a good one to five minutes um, depending on how fascinated I was, but mm-hmm. I was just like, did you even see that? Are you, are you going to go home and look at these pictures at home for five minutes? Or are you just going to post that you were here or like, what are you doing? Exactly. It was so, if they kind of stared at the thing and, and took it in and read the description and then took a picture, that's a totally a different thing. But it was just like, walk up, snap, mm-hmm. walk away. <laughs> Yeah, they'll say, well, I was just going to go look at it at home. Well, you could just Google image search that thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was I was, I was, was with my boyfriend. I was like, did you just see that guy? Are you seeing this? And I don't know. It was just, it's the generation of today. <laughs> it is. And that's funny to say, too. I mean, talking back to that essay, too, are you're talking about, you know, 30 years old in the music industry is old to where mm-hmm. in any other facet of life other than maybe professional sports, that's not the case at all. And it's just such a weird, such a weird concept to think, especially, uh, I could, I can only imagine being a female in the music industry where, you know, looks and age are probably looked at more than with a man. Oh, uh, for sure. Sadly, but true. Um, I mean, especially coming from a, a more mainstream, uh, approach, they're going to want someone that looks good and is young and they can mold into what they yeah. want. And, and, uh, so I guess I, I want to talk about that essay. Uh, the title was I'd get to the top of the mountain if it would just stop fucking growing. And that <laughs> title was amazing. I looked at it and I was like, cause that's the first thing I'd seen in a long time. Like you were saying, it's been five years, um, between albums. And I immediately was drawn to that and I read the whole thing and then I read it again last night. And, uh, can you talk a little bit about what brought on that writing that essay and, and kind of how you felt. It's kind of your Jerry Maguire moment. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was just, well, you know, the, the album's coming out soon, and I, I feel like I haven't really been out in the open for anybody in a really long time. I haven't been playing a lot of shows. I really haven't been active with music on social media. It's just been dumb photos of me with ice cream or puppies. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was like, I should kind of reintroduce myself to the world because I'm not the same person I was when my last album came out. And I feel like I've gone through a lot of things, especially in my own head. Um, 
So I kind of just felt like, you know, I'm going to kind of say, hi, world, this is me. This is where I am. And my album's coming out. So, you know, like, this is where it's kind of coming from. And, and uh, I didn't expect that many people to react to it. I wasn't trying to be philosophical or anything. I was just, I was just so fed up with trying to like cover things in the industry. Mm -hmm. And so many times people want you to cover things. And, um, and you know, I've had people that I work with that are sometimes like, cause I, I had to work at the restaurant and, um, you know, I'd have to work my shift at five o'clock. So sometimes some people will be like, um, you know, when you, when you tell the writers, you have to leave the studio session, just tell them that you have another session at six. Like they, you know, they didn't want me to be like, oh, I'm going to, I have to work at the restaurant. So, mm-hmm. cause then it kind of diminished me as a writer and they wouldn't want to write with me. And honestly, it, it's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, cause you know, you, you have to kind of play a big game in LA and pretend like you're really cool to, to get to work with amazing people and, mm-hmm. um, get in a room per se. And so, you know, it, it was little things like that. I'm like, you know what? No, I work in a restaurant. It's really hard. I actually quit that job and I work at a health food store now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, just, just so the facts are straight. That's actually uh-huh. where I'm going right after this podcast. But, um, <laughs> so, so, you know, there's just a lot of that. It, it was so funny too. There was one instance when I was working at the restaurant and, um, there's this writer and producer that I love. His name's Dan Romer. And we wrote the single for bruises together. It's called dead man. And we wrote the song together and he's the nicest person. So I don't know why I reacted this way. Mm-hmm. It was kind of embarrassing, but I was working at the restaurant and he moved, um, from the Valley to, to a house, like right on the street where I work. So one time I saw him walking by when I was like going out to grab some ketchup bottles and some plates and I saw him like coming and I ran inside and ducked behind the counter (laughs) because I was just so embarrassed because I I knew he'd kind of come in and like he wouldn't say anything, but I know he would like have that look in his eye, you know, of like what's going on and uh and then I I really want to work with him. So I want him to think that I'm cooler than I am. <laughs> but again, like Dan is the nicest person. I don't think he would ever be like, "Oh, I'm not going to work with you anymore because you have to support yourself by working at this job." Like that—that's not him. So I don't want to paint him as like this person that I have to run behind a counter for. It was just kind of like this weird instinct. I just <laughs> ran with my rag in my plates, um, and I saw him walk by, and then I came out and was like, oh, I wonder when he's going to come back. Is he going for like an hour brunch? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, those are all my stupid moments. But, um, yes, going back to the blog, it's just about kind of, yeah, what you said, being a 30-year-old woman in the music industry and kind of still trying to, quote, make it and find success and what that means for me now. And, um you know, I, and it, it doesn't help that lately I've been working with a lot of young artists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I also write songs for other people and uh, for film and TV or commercials or whatever. And recently I've been working with a lot of girls that are 17, 18, 19, some 14. Wow. That, you know, they're amazing. They just signed to this new record label and they're so excited and they're so pretty and their skin looks so soft. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? And uh, it's a lot of those sentences in the past, like you used to do this, or like, how was your tours? Or, you know, um, so it's it's hard. And uh, yeah, I I think that blog is so long. So I'm trying to think of what else I said in there. But well, even going to that, like working with these younger these younger girls, asking you how your tours were. I mean, if they're signed in the right spot they'll never know what tour is and that yeah i mean it's one of those things that's just going to go by the wayside you know for for these younger people that will never they'll never tour in a van i mean they're going to be on a bus for a year and then they're going to be forgotten and it's i mean yeah tours are my friend just went on a tour and he's so cute he was just like it's my first tour i'm so excited and he's going on a bus uh-huh. And it's his first tour ever. And, um, and I mean, he he's multi-talented, and I'm not saying, like, he doesn't deserve that. He's one of the most amazing singer-songwriters I've ever seen. And if they can afford a bus for him, then hell yeah. 
but I was just like, man, my first tour, I mean, my first tour wasn't even, we didn't even upgrade to a van. It was in a car, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I'm used to, uh, we would always, it was so funny because I was doing a short film with a friend the other day because I, I love acting as well, but we were shooting in a hotel room and everybody was bringing camera equipment in. And I was like, you know, like we shouldn't all be bringing camera equipment into this one room. It's going to, we're going to look weird like when I was in my band we always used to sneak each other in through the back or like go in through the lobby like once every hour like check when the person's coming (laughs) and the guy was just like what are you talking about I'm like you know because you can't have eight people in one room he was like you guys slept eight people in one room I'm like yeah like three to a bed two on the floor (laughs) and I just said it like it was normal and he was like what are you talking about But then we did end up sneaking people in the back, and I was like, yeah, you're welcome. Oh, Jesus. It's totally normal. We did the same thing. Sneak in. My spot was underneath the sink. I don't know why. And to this day, if I could spot. sleep something with something over my head, it's this feeling of comfort. Like it's We would we would pack in the room, and I was the biggest guy. I'm 6'5", so the biggest oh guy. Gosh. So I'd usually sleep on the floor so more people could catch the bed. And yeah. I'd curl up underneath that... Uh, there's like a there's a, a sink with no cabinets underneath it usually in a hotel room uh-huh. and curl right up under there and it was kind of like this little womb that was just felt so nice and maybe you should have turned the sink on just a little so it's a trickle <laughs> so it kind of feels like you're in a Thai massage exactly yes that's something I, looking back I should have done just to, to make it that much sweeter I mean th- those are the little things that just people are gonna forget about that you know means something still to people that went through it and and uh are still going through it i mean it's just when you're talking about these artists where you go in and and i assume there's some some artists that are going to be bigger name artists or at least have big backing um to be bringing someone in with them in the studio that you know they're going to hop on that bus and be like oh i'm so tired today oh you were on your bus last night (laughs) i think i'll take a nap in my yeah i'll take a nap in in my bunk (laughs) yeah you have a bunk yeah, it's it's definitely a luxury. Yeah. Have you done much bus touring? What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze, and you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid, and I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level distrokid.com slash vip slash ppp go check out distrokid right now distrokid.com slash vip slash ppp for 30 percent off with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
What's up, everyone? It's Joe, and I'm the host of That's Awesome with Joe, a podcast on the newly formed Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. I talk with tons of your favorite artists, managers, touring personnel, and more. Most of the time we talk about music, but lots of the time we end up talking about something completely unrelated. We laugh a lot. We do a lot of really stupid things, but also some things that are really informative and interesting. Basically, it's a podcast that I think you should listen to. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my podcast, but I think I might be into it if I wasn't the host. Check it out at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Um, I do a little bit. We would do it a lot of the time when we just felt like it was absolutely necessary. We did it on Warp Tour uh-huh. because, well, yes, we did it all Warp Tours. I mean, <laughs> I remember the first Warp Tour though when we had the bus. We um, we literally it was like paying rent with pennies. I remember we would literally sell merch and just count down how much we had to pay the bus because we paid it weekly. Oh God. And it was literally like, okay, we're $50 short or we're $200 short. And Meg and I would go out with a box of CDs and um, walk the line, which is mm-hmm. when – I know you know all this stuff, but just for just No, for this folks. is good. This is good. People need to know <laughs> but, this um, stuff. Yeah, it was called walking the line on Warp Tour when you would uh, – you know, because doors would open at 9 or 10. So we'd wake up really early around uh, 7 or 8 and go walk the line, which meant we just went out with a Discman then. Uh-huh. And uh, – We'd play our CD for people, you know, just $5, buy a record, buy a record, we'll, we'll sign it for you or we'll give you a discount or, you know, come to our show here. And we just literally go down the line and, and play our songs for people and try it. It was seriously like selling candy bars uh, or, Boys, <laughs> or Girl Scout cookies. It was just that kind of same thing. But um, being in a van on Warped Tour is really rough because it's 100 something degrees outside. You mm-hmm. have nowhere to go. One person, um, it actually wasn't a, a band, but it was a vendor. I think he was a sunglass vendor. He passed away on that warp tour because he just he fell asleep at the wheel. Um, oh. Like there's just no reason to push yourself like that. And we like when we heard it, it was just the, the saddest news ever because he's just waking up early every morning, setting up his tent, selling his sunglasses, closing down. And then he drives, you know, eight mm-hmm. hours sometimes, sometimes 10 to 11 hours yeah. to the next city on his own. And it was just him just selling these things. And, and it gets dangerous. And then we would also use a bus um, for really cold winter tours, especially in Canada, mm-hmm. when we just felt it was safer. But um, buses are very expensive, but yeah. at the same time now, um, 
I don't know if I could go back to a van for a long period of time. I know I could do it because I've done it before a lot. Sure. But I was 20s, you know, my 20s and and energetic. (laughs) um, And now I'm like, could I be in a van for eight to nine months out of the year like I used to? No. Could I do it for a couple? Yeah. But it's Mm -hmm. it's a hard thing. I mean, I think we should just both be DJs and just take our iPod and like fly (laughs) to these amazing places (laughs) and (laughs) get put up. Yeah. Press play and then come home. Just do fly-ins only. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's and that's uh, yeah. Warp tour in a van. We we did it once in a van, and that was the tour. Everyone decided to call their brother and sister and say, "Hey, you want to meet all your favorite bands? Come out with us on Warp tour." So we took the fifteen passenger with seven of us and put fifteen in it. Oh my gosh! And that was the worst experience of my touring life. Was the sleeping sitting up like a cattle car in this van trying to get space trying to i mean that's when you start befriending all these bigger bands as best as you can because they have a bus you can hang out in during the day oh my gosh yes (laughs) like hey you're all right but uh yeah you want to be buddies Yeah, can we um (laughs) sleep on your sofa i mean sometimes that happened um we had a couple guys come into our bus sometimes and just take naps during the day on in the back lounge because they they were always like the designated driver for that night Mm -hmm. so you'd be like dude you just go in pass out we'll put a note on the door so nobody's (laughs) interrupting you just put the famous office sign on the door (laughs) yeah tour manager's office sign oh my gosh it's it's a warped tour something else it's a whole different animal yeah and then if you take part in the party every night, the barbecue and everything, I mean, you could you could really do some damage to yourself. You really can. That's another <laughs> thing. Like, tour is really unhealthy. And that's another thing sometimes I think about because right now, you know, I go to yoga. I have a pretty strict diet that, of, like, foods that I've – I don't know. I've gotten – maybe it's me working at the health food store that hasn't mm-hmm. helped. <laughs> but I've gotten pretty healthy. <laughs> and – um you know, just exercise and walking around and sleeping for eight hours a day. And to disrupt that, I mean, a lot of the times it's just eating Nutter Butters at a gas station because you have to rush the next show. And yeah. Chipotle's were like a amazing thing to us because it wasn't fast food necessarily. Mm-hmm. It yeah. felt a little more healthy. So we would always try to go there instead of, you know, McDonald's or something <laughs> that made you feel like you're going to die after. And um, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of tour, I guess. Yeah. So you said you you changed your diet up a bit. Are you are you a vegetarian? Um, I'm not, but I don't eat a lot of meat. Okay. Like I'll eat meat once for like one meal every two days. I don't know why. <laughs> it just makes you feel better, though. You feel better that I mean, you found what works for you, obviously. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's. It, like I used to eat a lot more meat when other people would cook it for me, but when I started cooking a lot for myself and mm-hmm. I just come home and like pull out the big slab of meat, it was just it's weird <laughs> for me to like cut up meat. I don't know, it makes me feel funny. So a lot of the times I would prepare it and like cut it up and wash it and season it and then I'd cook it and I was like, Ugh, I don't know if I can eat this. It's weird. Because you know where it came from or you know you yeah. you've, you've handled it already and yeah, I don't, it was just a, it's a weird thing. And it, it doesn't have anything to do with, um, not animal rights, but I, I mean, I, I'm not against me. I think if people eat meat, that's awesome. And if they don't, that's awesome. No ethical um, concerns there. Yeah, no ethical concern. Um, you know, I, I don't know what we were meant to do. Some people say we were meant to be carnivores. Some people say, say differently. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I just bought a book called, um, I think it's Food for Freedom or oh, no, it starts with food that is supposed to kind of talk about why we should eat meat scientifically. And I'm kind of interested in that conversation. So I'm kind of still figuring out, but my little sister is full on vegetarian, like animal rights activist. And um, she just loves animals. And even this Thanksgiving, we're like, oh, we're all going to go to Salt Lake. And Nikki was like, oh, no, like I volunteered to watch all the neighbor's dogs while they're gone. (laughs) That's my sister. So she's just the sweetest. Um, Heart as big as the world. 
Yeah, exactly. And she's just so sweet. And she always volunteers the dog shelters and yeah. um, does all that stuff. So she's great. And yeah. Well, speaking of speaking of food and your interest in uh, in food, have you heard of Michael Pollan? No. He is. He's wrote. He wrote the Food Rules. He wrote um, Omnivore's Dilemma. He's a professor at a college and does a lot of speaking dates. But he wrote a book called Cooked, and there's a Netflix series he put out on it, and it, it kind of breaks down the book, and it talks about how evolutionary or evolutionary thinking. Um, when we figured out we could cook food, mm-hmm. uh, meats, everything, and absorb more of the, the nutrients from it because it was cooked, there's a theory that that's why our brains grew so large and so fast. And it's kind of a cool series to check out. Um, but if you, if you like that kind of stuff, I definitely recommend that to you. Oh, that um, sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I love Pollan, that kind P-O-L-L-A-N. of stuff. P-O-L-L-A-N. He's a fascinating, fascinating guy. Okay. Now watch Cooked. Um, yeah, it's on Netflix. It's a it's a good one. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, the voice a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. That's the, ironically it, it, every time I've seen you and doing what you're doing has been like a random walk around the corner. Like, oh wait, they're on MTV. Same thing. My stepdaughter was watching the Voice, and I came around the corner. And I was like, wait a minute. And then the name came up, and I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, she's, she works with Mike Kaminsky and, and, uh, and my daughter's like, who? And I was like, oh, I went into the whole story, but, um, <laughs> I wanted to know kind of, and I, I read a little bit about how it came about, but for people listening, how you got on the voice for one, and it was the inaugural season, right? It was the first season. Yeah. So yeah. you had nothing to base it on. It's no go be on this show. So I wanted to know kind of how you got on the voice and then kind of what the day-to-day was like on a show like that with such huge stars and, you know, because we all see the American Idol, the voice, and see what we are shown, but we don't usually see the back end. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was first season, and the reason I auditioned was honestly my manager again, Mike Mm -hmm. Kaminsky. um, I was living in New York at the time working at Crumb's Bake Shop, and – he just called me and was like, hey, there's this contest. They're looking for singers. You should come out. And I I kind of was in a position where I was like, what have I got to lose? Like, what mm-hmm. am I doing with my life? <laughs> um, but I really – I had – if he would have been like, it's just like American Idol, but it's this and this and this, I would have been like, okay, bye. Because yeah. I really don't like reality TV vocal shows but I really really didn't know anything about it and in hindsight I could have probably looked up some information because I think they had a a a version in another small country in Holland or something I'm not sure Mm -hmm. but um I really just kind of went and did this audition and I remember when I got there there were people like lined up around this building and that's when I kind of turned to Mike and I was like what is this contest why are there like hundreds of people here. Um, and he said, Oh, you know, it's fine. They're going to pick some coaches and, but it's not, it's not judging. It's not negative. It's, it's not judges. It's coaches who are like going to help you learn stuff. So I was like, Oh, okay. So I just went in for my audition, really didn't think twice about it. Um, and then I got called back and I got called back for another thing with, uh, producers and, uh, I think I got called back four times before the actual – we actually went to a hotel and they were kind of going through everything. Uh-huh. And and they go through a lot before you actually hit the stage for blind auditions. Like I took uh, – I had a background check. Um, I also took a kind of uh, – I saw – everybody saw a therapist and kind of got checked out by him. Uh-huh. Um, I remember I had to fill out this kind of Scantron form and I remember some of the – some of the questions were like, do you see animals that nobody else can see? Do you hear voices? Um, how do you like, would you write your relationship with your family? Like it, it was just a lot of stuff like that. Um, which was really interesting, but honestly I can see why they would do that because mm-hmm. you want to make sure you get somebody that can handle a lot of pressure or, you know, just be, <laughs> yeah, just be in a lot of pressure, I guess. But yeah, 
And they slimmed it down. I think there were like 90 of us at the hotel. And I think they slimmed it down to around 70 or something. And then those 70 went on to be the blind auditions. And then I think they picked 48 or something like that or 32. It might have changed. Um, so then from a day-to-day basis from that, I mean, the day-to-day basis for me was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> and I just kind of go about my day. Um, uh, I would, I read the fountainhead <laughs> on that again, cause I was getting really stressed out. So I was like, what makes me feel, uh, supported and empowered. And so I read the fountainhead by Ayn Rand and then I would wake up every day, go to the gym I'd hear people, um, the hotel next to me performing and, um, would really get inside my head. And then a lot of it was, it was actually, the voice is actually super well organized and takes really good care of everybody. Uh Um, you know, they'll let you know, Hey, you have a vocal lesson at three 30 today if you want it, or, Hey, we're doing rehearsals from six to eight. And they're really good about bringing you there Mm -hmm. and taking you back and letting you sleep and rest. They don't bring you there and hold you and are all over the place. And you know, you're back by midnight. They were Mm -hmm. always so organized with everything, you know, you're in hair and makeup at this time and then you're back and, uh, they flew your family out to watch you. Uh, they actually really treated everyone really well. And the coaches, I don't know anything about anyone else necessarily, but Blake, I was on Blake's team and he is the nicest person ever. Really? He's so nice. Um, I'll tell you one story, which kind of tells you something, but, uh, the dress that I wore when I was singing the duet with Miranda Lambert, a house that built me, Uh um, was this beautiful, beautiful dress. And there's this huge, like, we're, we're in a hotel and they'll take a, you know, big room and it's just full of clothes. It's the wardrobe for the voice and it's full of all kinds of different clothes. Uh-huh. And I went down there and I went a little bit early and Aaron, the wardrobe stylist was like, Oh, DID, I'll be with you in a second to find your outfit for, um, the Miranda duet. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll just chill. So I was just walking around and I saw this dress and I was like, Ooh, this is really pretty. So I tried it on. I really shouldn't have, uh-huh. but I tried it on. I was just kind of like moseying around in it, like princess for a day. And then Erin comes over and she's like, oh, honey, that dress is like way over budget. It's like $1,700. You can't like, Jesus. I don't even know why they sent it to us. Like, I'm sorry, but you, you should get out of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we just take a picture of me in anyway, just so I can have it. Cause they take pictures and send it to producers and, you know, uh-huh. uh, so she took a picture of me and then I tried on like seven other dresses that were all really fun and whatever. And then I get to the show day and I go to wardrobe to pick up my dress, get in hair and makeup and let's go perform. And I go to wardrobe and that dress is there. And I was thinking, um, why is this dress here? Where's the red one that I think they picked? And, uh-huh. uh, and Aaron was like, oh, Blake bought it for you. Like, we told him that you really liked that one, and he just said to get it for you. Are you serious? That's awesome. Yeah, it's still in my closet. And I was, you know, I just told you I was doing that. I'm doing that uh, online fundraiser store on Hello Merch. Uh-huh. And um, I, I sold a lot of my clothes that I wore on The Voice in that dress. I'm like, I'm never selling this dress ever. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Um, it's still in my closet. And it, it's just like little things like that. Um, I mean, that's not a little thing actually, but you know, um, he's just the nicest person. My family came into town a day early to watch and he, he texted me and was like, um, bring them all to the hotel buffet. Like, let's all go to dinner. Like, let's all go out. And so he took my family out to eat. He's just really, really nice. Just a good person. That's, that's awesome. I mean, he puts out that vibe and you never know, you know, from just seeing on, on TV and, and on the radio, but. But that's fantastic to know that that that's how he is because I mean that's a, that's a big deal, especially when you're a, a coach. You know, even on a show like that, I mean, taking care of your your team, it's huge. Yeah, and I've seen instances when the camera turns off and the person just turns into like Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, I'm like what happened to you? Are you okay? <laughs> the chair flips around a third time and just this demon. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So do you have, I mean, do you have some advice for, for people that may be listening to this episode that are going to maybe go try out for The Voice or try out for American Idol or, or try to get into music in general um, hmm. that you've learned, like something that you would pass on that way? I think whenever anyone has asked me for advice about The Voice, because there's been a few young artists 
would have been like, oh, how can I get on there? Or even, um, you know, can you send my tape into casting? And for me, the look in their eyes and the way that they say it kind of suggests that they think this is like their big shot and it's Mm -hmm. like their end all be all. And I mean, if you look at a lot of the people on The Voice, lots of people did really well and it didn't necessarily make a career for them Mm -hmm. like it did for Kelly Clarkson in that way. But for me, it's to not put so much pressure on The Voice or on any one thing to kind of make it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, My best advice to anybody, and I've done this with acting as well, is just even if you have management, if you have a label, if you have an agent, whatever, always work for yourself like you don't have them. Um, Because I think people always try to get to that tier where things are going to be easy, Mm -hmm. and it's not. And even if you do, you should still be always trying to further ways to better yourself or to do something. Um, So that's my advice is to always work. If you do have somebody, if you do have people on your team, if you do have something good going for yourself, still work like you don't have it, like you're hungry and you need things because I feel like people can get comfortable but um on a different level I think just do as many things for yourself as you can you don't have to wait for record label to find people to perform with and now you can record a lot of things on your computer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you do find people that way I mean I went to a little showcase um at a college of music here in LA I was just filling in for my friend and I saw a bunch of performers and there was this guy And I thought he was so great. And I ended up calling him the next day and was like, hey, do you want to come to the studio? And like, let's just write and record some music together for fun. Like, no strings attached. Mm -hmm. It's not for any project. It's not for any commercial. Like, let's just record some music. I really like your stuff. So there's some really great ways to network if you just put yourself out there. And I have a friend who is an amazing musician, but he doesn't care about anything else besides the music, Uh which is amazing and rare but at the same time if you do want to get out there you have to put yourself in places where you'll meet people go to conferences um there's a really cool empower conference in la next week that i'm doing a panel at with just musicians who are trying to make it and i think a lot of cities do offer those things where you can go in for mentor mentorship and uh see how other people have done things and um, YouTube's one way to start, but it's not the end all be all. I think sometimes people rely on that too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of like my little sister, she's 17, but right now she's, she plays on the street every day on, cause Friday there's like a farmer's market mm-hmm. and she takes her ukulele out and just plays on the street. And I think that's actually a really great way to just, um, practice being in front of people. And I think that's one thing that YouTube doesn't have is you can't get in front of your computer and practice performing because you're really not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so really just play wherever you can. That's a big piece of advice I have. I used to play at at lunchtime for nursing homes. I used to play at the arts festival, um, Mm -hmm. at this Christmas tree lighting in in St. George, Utah. (laughs) There's so many weird places you can play they're just you know you wouldn't think have performers but they do and just just perform everywhere in your city and and you can really just meet people through doing that you know absolutely absolutely that's some solid advice i mean i I really like that that advice because it's i mean if you work hard for yourself everyone around you is going to be stronger and able to do their job better yeah and i also oh sorry oh go ahead I I also went to venues in my city and I would say, you know, if anybody ever cancels, if an opening act is late um, or if you need an opening act, my sister and I will always be the opener for any band. And that's actually how we eventually met Mike Kaminsky because we ended up opening up for Limbeck Mm -hmm. and we met their tour manager and he introduced us to Mike, our manager, I mean, still to this day. So go to your local venue and just let them know that and, and be active with them. Yeah. Just, I mean, put yourself out there. And and, and the, the other cool thing now I, I wanted to ask about with, with how you are, you're working a day job, uh, you got this record that's ready to come out next year. Has your, has your, uh, your motives changed a little bit to where, hey, if this works, it works. It's not the only thing I have. Has it changed kind of to more, 
so your focus has shifted where I either I have to do this or I'm never going to make it or I'm going to put this out there and see what happens. My focus has kind of shifted to how can I make this really great? And I, I haven't really thought much about the outcome, which I think has made me a lot more happy as a person. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what I think it was Steve Martin who told a young actor that uh, maybe it was Tom Hanks. I can't remember. But um, they were just asking, you know, how can we get into being an actor on film and da, da, da. And he's like, so many people worry about all these different things. What if you just worried about being the best you can possibly be? Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me. And so, you know, it's it's kind of little steps like, OK, if I want to fund a music video for this song, how can I make it the most special most powerful music video that will resonate with people, um, you know, instead of just pooping out a music video <laughs> to, yeah. to poop one out. I'm like, how can I make this great? I, I just want to do great work now. And, you know, if I don't have the money or the funds to get it to there, I just won't make it until I get there instead of just pushing out something to have it. And, you know, how can I make the live show the best it can be? Mm-hmm. How can I make, you know, just every, how can I make the artwork perfect for the record and it's just about really paying attention to details and so if it doesn't do do well then I'll still be really happy with the work that I've done and I think that's the most important thing to me and I've also you know music isn't the end of the world Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think sometimes people have a hard time with that because it's it's so special and it's so amazing but it's not my life yeah um it's a huge part of my life but it's not it's not who I am it's, it's what I love to do. So it's, uh, you know, to kind of separate that from myself and just enjoy it. And honestly, the other day, this sounds so cheesy, but I was singing, I still believe, um, from the musical Miss Saigon mm-hmm. in my house. And I started crying because I was having so much fun. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you ever, you know, gotten back to guitar and like for a second you're practicing your scales and then you have to play the song because you're playing it someone's show but then you start rocking out to a song that you really love and you're like oh my gosh this is so fun I love this so much and and it's not because people are watching you and and you're getting validation it's just because you love it like I was just in my room like I still crying at the same time like I started jumping up and down and just um it's that joy and just practicing singing on my own in my house again that I haven't really done in a long time and yeah you know, finding the joy in those moments. And well, and you were in your house. No one was paying you. No one was <laughs> nope. watching you. And when's the last time you felt that genuine and and pure in front of an audience? You know what I mean? Like that's a, yeah, that was priceless right there. And now we're talking yeah. about it on a podcast. You know, because sometimes in front of an audience, it's like, oh, are they enjoying themselves? Oh, why did that person pull out their phone? Are they bored? Yeah. <laughs> Are you on ears live when you when you play now? Yeah. So do you have it? So you do they have a microphone up so you can hear the crowd, or do you have just your mix? It's just my mix. Okay. Because I know sometimes they throw a microphone up there, and I'd never seen that before because I in my time we were never really on ears, and and I was like, what is that microphone up there for? Well, if we want to hear the crowd, they just turn it up into our mix. I was like, what? Are you serious? Yeah. And, yeah. I was like, you're completely isolated up there. I'm like, yeah. All I hear is us. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> that is a good thing. I mean, it's I, – I actually I, – I can let people get in my head really easily. And I'm not the type of person who can read something and just forget about it, mm-hmm. um, which is – it kind of sucks because that's a big reason why I stopped reading, you know, Facebook messages people would send or Instagram messages because – for all the really sweet messages, I'll get a message that's like, I want to put a paper bag over your head and drag you into an alley and kill you. Oh, my <laughs> so God. For those, like, those really affect me. I bet. <laughs> so. They'll affect everyone. I don't know. Yeah, and it's can so crazy because it's that graphic. And, and I've had a lot worse. So it's not just like, your voice kind of sucks. It's like, I want you dead or I want to, like, rape you behind a back alley and like pull your voice out or something it's just oh you gotta be fucking kidding me that's terrible yeah trolls are really really mean and um and that's why you know a lot of the times i'll put a youtube video up or something and i will never check the comments because i'm like i don't need that bringing down my sunday afternoon but at the same time i really do love um 
speaking with fans and, and talking mm-hmm. to people who, who love music or have their stories to share. So it, it kind of sucks that I feel like I can't do that as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, uh, I don't know. Have you seen South Park recently? There's the there's some really ridiculous episodes on internet trolls. I haven't. I, I probably should. <laughs> oh, South Park is ridiculous now. It's just uh, there's internet trolls in the election. So, of course, they're just like hammering in on it. It's Oh, perfect. Oh, it's rough. Have they brought back the turd sandwich and the giant douche? Yeah, it's oh. it, it's it's firing it's, up it's... right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to check that out. You're gonna be watching Cooked. I'm gonna be watching South Park. That's gonna be yep. hilarious. Yeah. Well, Dia, I really appreciate you spending your morning with me and and uh, before work. I know there's many other things you could be doing, but I appreciate it a lot, and I've had a lot of fun chatting with oh, you. Oh, me and, too. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to the record and and. Uh, um, you know, everything to come in 2017. And, and, uh, you said the single's going to be out on the 18th of November. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And, uh, so yeah, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Have a good day. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Dia Frampton today. I had a great time chatting with Dia and she is a fantastic, talented musician. And I hope you guys think so as well. I'm sure a lot of you that listened uh, are already fans of Dia's, but if you're not and you're a subscriber to the show, I hope you found something new that you like. So once again, thank you to Dia. Thank you to Mike uh, at K Management for hooking us up and Amanda Yim for scheduling everything out. We had to juggle things around a couple times, but we made it work and had a great time. I hope you did as well. So we are on Instagram at Peer Pleasure Pod. We are on Twitter at Pod Peer Pleasure. Our website is www.peerpleasurepodcast.com. And we are also available on jabberjawmedia.com with some other great podcasts as well. We're part of that family now, just to remind you guys. So once again, thank you for listening to everything. Check out the Amazon affiliate link at www.peerpleasurepodcast.com. Click shop at Amazon. And that once again, we get 4 to 6% at the show here of everything you buy. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Set up that link, bookmark it every time you go to Amazon to purchase something. It would really help us out and keep the show free and help us keep going. So once again, thank you for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Jabberjaw Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.